Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Group Three. We are Caillou, Juwon, and Crystal. Today, we would like to talk about how black racism is affecting children in their daily lives, the problem of racial microaggression, and how do we talk about racism to children. First, I will be talking about how racism is impacting Canadian education. In the article "Canadian Education is Deep in Anti-Black Racism," we learned that the problem of racism is not superficial. In real life, racial inequity is deeply rooted and institutionalized. As early childhood educators, we firmly believe that education is a way to support every child's learning, development, and well-being. However, the data suggested that many students from the racialized community. Often face degradation, harm, and psychological violence. They are often perceived as dangerous, suspects, and less innocent. When other children are taught in well-resourced institutions, black children always experience neglect from teachers, heightened surveillance, and extreme punishments. It was also very saddening to learn that black youths are disproportionately streamed into lower education tracks because teachers hold racial stereotypes. Whether teachers have lower expectations in terms of academic achievements for black youths, compared with other youths, black youths are more likely to be assigned to lower education tracks like vocational training or into adult education, where the learning platforms have fewer resources and support. While students assigned in higher tracks are generally supported by more resources and diverse teaching methods. These racially differential treatments would definitely impact how the black students perceive themselves, their own sense of worth, and constrains their future opportunities. As we learn more about early childhood education at George Brown College, we understand how the four foundations—belonging, well-being, engagement, and expressions—are crucial for children to grow and flourish. Specifically in this context. Many black students feel unwelcome and unwanted in the education settings. Not only do they feel like they are inferior, but also a threat. According to the Foundation of Belonging in How This Learning Happens, enabling children to develop a sense of belonging, allowing them to feel included and safe, are actually key contributors to their lifelong well-being. However, The racial disparities they experience in school did not allow them to feel included and safe. In addition to that, children from racialized backgrounds also experience a lot of daily racism from their peers. This would hugely impact the children's engagement at school, where they might refuse to participate in a class or even skip school. Although some of them had reported about the daily racism from peers to the school, some school officers had refused to take action to address racism, and passively allowed the hostility of the white students. This topic has informed us the cruel truth of how severe racism is in Canadian education. As future early childhood educators, we learn the importance of not staying silent on racism. We must intervene in situations of discrimination and speak up in opposition to bias. We should advocate and support the inclusion of every child. Furthermore, we have to make sure the classroom curriculum plans are all bias-free. We can ask others to observe our practices to point out if our practices reflect diversity, and whether we are building a welcoming and inclusive learning environment that supports all children. Regardless of their race and ethnicity.
Finally, we should also engage in conversation with educators if we see any exclusionary practices and policies in the center, and collaborate with the team to make changes. Hi, this is Joan speaking. Now let's move on to our next topic, which is racial microaggression. If we want our organization to be anti-racist, we need to understand what microaggression are and ensure all staff know that they will not be tolerated within our workplace culture. By understanding and acting, we can ensure our workplace is an ethical and inclusive environment that champions diversity and leverage it to succeed. So, what is microaggression? In terms of microaggression, these are used for commonplace daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental slights, whether intentional or unintentional. They communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative attitudes towards stigmatized or cultural marginalized group. Microaggressions are common, everyday slights and comments that relate to various intersections of one's identity such as gender, sex, race, ethnicity, and age, among other aspects. They are thought to spring from unconsciously held prejudice and belief which may be demonstrated consciously or unconsciously through daily verbal interactions. Although this communication typically appear harmless to observers, they are considered a form of covert racism or everyday discrimination. Racial microaggression are the intentional or unintentional act that create negative experiences for a racialized individual. It is sometimes embedded in the hidden curriculum, such as the unspoken lesson in school that that are learned but not officially intended. Now let's look at some examples of racial microaggression. In racial microaggression, there are four types of microaggression, such as color evasiveness, alien in one land, presumption of intelligence, and assumption of criminal status. In color evasiveness, when people say, I don't see color, it could be the color evasiveness and for alien in homeland, where were you born, where were you from, could be the example of it. Moreover, in presumption of intelligence, there are examples such as you speak English very well, you are, you are a credit to your race, or you are so articulate. It could be the presumption of intelligence. And lastly, in assumption of criminal status, when someone thinks like a store owner, owner and a security guard following a black person around the store, it is also the racial microaggression. Then how can educator help to to make end racial microaggressions? People often don't realize that they are behaving in a way that reinforce their type and demean people of other races, but it is the responsibility of 
both individual and leaders to educate themselves and their centers on what microaggressions are, what lies behind them, and what we can do to stop these behaviors. There are some key steps to begin with. First, understand stereotypes. We all need to educate ourselves about how we stereotype others. And second, always respect boundaries. We always need to respect the personal boundaries of others. People need time and space to think through the many ways in which advantage and disadvantage play out in their organization and society. This means inclusive organization must help their leaders, staff, and educators understand microaggression and give them tools to eliminate them. Hi everyone, this is Crystal. I'm going to discuss how we talk about racism to children. In the article Talking to Children About Race, according to Hart Garris, the best advice to parents on how to talk about racism to children is to be models for the attitudes, behavior, and values that they wish to see in their children. Families are the first and most powerful influence on children's learning, development, health, and well-being. So their behavior in daily life may affect their children in the long term. There are different ways to talk about racism to children in different age groups. For ages 1 to 5, since they are still learning to understand complex thoughts, we can let them learn about race and racism through reading books and play. They can be exposed to toys that portray positive images of racialized people. For ages 6 to 9, they are able to understand concepts through concrete examples. Like the children ages 1 to 5, they can learn racism through play. We can use concepts of fairness at school to expose them to wider concrete societal concepts around justice. For those older children ages 10 to 12, we, they are able to understand more hypothetical concepts and some global issues similar to their lived experiences. Exposing children to a variety of books is still an important task during this period. Parents can pose a variety of hypothetical questions to their children. Children should also be encouraged to volunteer at organizations serving people from different races and ethnicities. For the teens ages 13 to 17, privileged children can be encouraged to be active advocates for their racialized and less privileged peers through writing letters to their school boss. In these letters, they can advocate for better funding of schools attended by predominantly racialized students or for better social amenities in lower-income communities. In conclusion, this module has helped us to strengthen our goals and values to be not only an educator but also advocate and a leader to drive changes in the education industry. We all have to work together to tackle all kinds of racism.
bias and discrimination in education settings. We have to support inclusion for all families and children. Moreover, we have to be mindful of what we say and what we do at all times. We need to make sure we avoid all kinds of racial microaggression. We should always use culturally appropriate practices and inclusive language to children, families, and educators that we work with. Finally, it is important that we model and talk about racism to children, which can help them to develop empathy and learn to celebrate diversity at a young age. This is the end of our presentation. Thank you so much for everyone.